episode 13 of the Nine Point Start the Dream podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nine Point Start the Dream podcast, where our goal is to showcase the story of athletes in the community that supports them through being real and authentic about their journey. I'm your host, Colby Gillum. This episode, we have Tony Easley Jr. Tony is killing it on and off the court. I'll learn about his journey as an athlete and his movement called Leverage. Here we go. So the question I'd like to start off with is, um, when you were younger as an athlete, what was one of your biggest goals that you wanted to achieve? You know, the crazy thing about it, just making the team was the biggest one at first, honestly. Um, uh, you know, most athletes, I guess you say most athletic stories come off um you're you're the the elite player in your group you know most of the guys who kind of make it to the highest levels they usually want to you know are the varsity starters they are the you know the superstars I guess you can say of their group for me it was a little bit different um I actually got cut a couple times and I was a basketball manager like literally I just loved the game I was falling in love with the game early on so I, I actually was managing the team you know I was cleaning up sweat you know doing the stats washing the jerseys a long time I was learning the game. You know, I didn't really know how to play the game, so I was learning the game and learning how to practice. So my biggest goal as a young one was just kind of making the team, honestly. What age was that? What age was that time? Um, let me think. Uh, I made seventh grade team. The seventh grade team I made, I got cut eighth grade and ninth grade. So what is that? 14, 15, I want to say? Maybe yeah, around 15, there. 15. So yeah, I got cut back-to-back years, eighth and ninth grade, man. I got cut both years. Um, manage the team and, and and you know in high school usually the guys once you play sports you're kind of in that little that little brotherhood that it is so most of my friends are on the team so it was kind of one of those things to where I just want to be with my friends you know I wanted to be I wanted to be on the same level as them so finally I made the I made the junior varsity team my 10th grade year I made the junior varsity my 10th grade year made the varsity my 11th grade year and kind of played and kind of developed I guess you can say and then my senior year uh won the first and only state championship in my school's history still to this day and kind of came out of nowhere. So, um, yeah, my biggest, my, as a child or as a, I guess you say, as a, as a teenager playing the game, it was just making the team, man. That was it. That was the biggest thing, first making the team. And after that, it was basically hanging on my friends, you know, and then it, once I kind of matured into to, to an actual player, um, it was just trying to just win a state championship. Um, that was kind of going to the senior year. So what, I guess – what what helped make that switch to help you make that team that 11th grade year? You know, rejection. You know, rejection has a way of, of teaching us things. You know, you know that me getting cut was the best thing. It was the worst thing at that moment, but the best thing ever because that's where I learned how to work hard. That's where I learned my discipline. That's where I learned, you know, I was able to see the game from a different perspective. So I appreciated it a different way than others. You know, I appreciate it because I knew that it could be gone. So... So uh, it actually allowed me to actually fall in love with the game itself. You know, everything about the game, the inside and the outside parts, the small things, small details that a lot of people don't really see or think about. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate it that much more. And it made me making that team that much sweeter. Um, And then plus it just put a chip on my shoulder, man, to always just play with a chip. Honestly, like I I don't want to say I took it personal, but I took it, you know, I took it as a challenge. I mean, honestly, it's, it's about being challenged. And I had this internal challenge to always make it. You know, once those two years went by that I didn't make it, it was kind of one of those things where I had to do anything and everything to make it one way or another, and uh, it paid off. Did there be, like, any doubt in your mind that this, was, that this was not for you or just, like, any people around you that were saying, hey, man, you may want to just hang it up? 
You know, no, the good, good thing about it, no. Um, and, but at the same time, it wasn't encouragement there. It was kind of one of those self, you know, kind of those those internal pushes for myself. It was like, it was that challenge, you know. Um, the thing about it, most of my friends who make the team, who, who actually, they were on the team. So it was me still hanging around those guys. And then after, you know, when you're young, you play ball all day. So we will have practice and then we will go to another gym, a recreational center and just play together, just play pickleball. So it wasn't, it wasn't that I, I, I didn't like the, the skills or the confidence. It was just one of those things to where, you know, I actually, I, I grew up, I'm, I'm, I have asthma. So asthma was, was a big problem in my childhood. Um, outside of just playing basketball, I was when I was that asthmatic kid with the, with the inhaler running around, you know what I mean? That was, that was me. Um, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, how, you know how it goes and sometimes, but, um, yeah, the wheeze, man, you know, you get them wheezes, you got to sit down somewhere for a little minute, but no, it, it, it it never was anything to, to actually make me feel like I couldn't play um, the game. Um, it, it was just one of those things where, honestly, it was just trying to make the team. Man. It was, it, I don't think actually I, my mindset wasn't – there was no rejection. There was no, you know, there was no lack of confidence or anything like that. It was just truly focusing on one thing. And for me, focusing on that one thing blocked everything else out. You know, honestly, it kept me focused. It kept me looking straight ahead. And it kept me working. Um, so I don't think I really had any any – any space in my mind to even have that doubt or rejection or, you know, lack of confidence in that, in that time period. Awesome. So those friends that, that you were, that you wanted to hang out with, was, was it kind of, a, kind of helpful for you to kind of be around them seeing they kind of were where you wanted to be, but they were still kind of pushing you to kind of like, Hey man, you got to next season come after this like that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, it's like a brotherhood, you know, honestly, those guys, even to this day, they're, they're, they're brothers for me. You know, I, I wasn't blessed with actual real blood brother, but those guys were the closest thing I had. And those guys, it was a situation where we did everything together. You know, even, even when tryouts, you know, we were, I call them the trenches, you know, we were in the trenches together in tryouts, you know? And then after the thing that made it, I guess made it easier for me was that we played pickup ball all the time together. We were actually gym, just gym rats. We, we, you know, every Sunday after church, everybody would go to the gym and it'd be a full of people at the gym, you know, after practice before, not so much as before practice, but after practice, we would go to the gym. It got to the point where our coach would like try to ban everyone from going to the gym because we would just keep playing the game. So those guys being around me and still having that, that team camaraderie, it kind of made it easy for me. Um, and, and, and that's just kind of, I was just blessed with those type of guys who, it wasn't any type of egos. It was nothing like that. It was all encouragement because we grew up together, basically, man. It was, it was a small group of guys, and they we've literally been playing since, I mean, rec league. <laughs> so um, I was just fortunate enough to have those type of guys around me. Um, but it definitely did help to have that to have those guys, the guys who were on the team, encouraging someone who who didn't make the team, but also who still played the game, encouraging me to be better. It definitely helped. What state did you grow up in? Uh, Auburn, Alabama. Auburn, Alabama. Okay, so are you an Auburn Tiger fan, man, or yeah, Crimson Tide? I'm a, I'm a professional bandwagon fan, man. I've been playing, I've been playing professional basketball overseas so long, man. Honestly, and just growing up in the rivalry, man, I kind of got tired of it, honestly. So I just, for me, I'm just thankful that the state, the state has something that represents them. We have no professional teams, we have nothing but them. So whatever team wins, I'm riding with them just because, hey, you know. That's the good notch on this for the state of Alabama. We don't have much there, so I got I got to rival who who comes out of there on top sometimes. Whoever wins, be leading for it. I I respect that for sure. <laughs> so when you eleventh grade, twelfth grade, when did you like? How did your journey when it came to I guess going to college was that like an easy process for you? Once you kind of 
kind of stuck them to the court or how that worked for you? You know, oddly enough, man, uh, and it's going to sound weird. Like I, my, my scope for just the future, it, it never made it past the state championship. Like it's, it's weird enough, but it, it's, it's kind of a blessing that I even got scholarships and kind of went on to play. I never, I never played AAU ball. I played one, one, not even a full summer of AAU basketball. Um, but my junior year, we actually had a we we made it to this like to our our county tournament or whatever it is our state tournament. We got put out early, and we kind of knew that we had the team to make it to the next year to actually to make at least make it to the the, the playoffs again. Um, but my you know once we got there and once we played the game, we won the championship. I kind of was in a in a in a in a. A weird place because I didn't think about what was next. You know, I, I didn't think about. Honestly, I didn't think that I was a collegiate player. I, I was a super skinny guy. You know, I've always been told that hey, you're too skinny to do this, you're too skinny to do that. But my focus was just everything was on that championship. Like it, literally everything was. I put everything into it, and I f- figured that you know once that finished, whatever came next came next. Um, and it, it was true. You know, and I, I know it's kind of a a hit or miss sometimes and you're just kind of like a gamble, but at the same time, it worked out for me this time and that time, but I, I really didn't see it. I think I, I was one of those guys where I was always taught, like if you focus on the job at hand, you focus on the job at hand, everything else will work itself out. The reward will come through. And that's kind of what I, I did. I focused everything on the basketball part and scholarships came out of the blue. Um, thankfully. <laughs> so, so for you, you're saying it was more of, you knew if you put in the work and had faith in, you know, in God and just in the process that, you know, it would work out for you. Definitely. Uh, definitely. That's what anything, man. It's just we half, half of the fight is, is just us staying focused on the task at hand. Everything else is level for the big man to take care of. I mean, it's already written for us. So it's just trusting it to it. It's trusting them. Honestly, it, it, that blind trust is, is something that's tough to do, but it's, it's something that I did for, for, for that in, or during that time period. Um, and it worked out. It definitely worked out. But I think that's hard for most athletes now, man, to focus on the actual the process of the game. You know, so many things, so many distractions, and there's so many, you know, especially in the collegiate level, a lot of guys are already seeing past college and asking about playing professionally, and it's not – focus on the task at hand, like live in the moment right now. You know, if you don't focus everything into those moments, you may not make it out to the next level. You know, so me at an early age, I was just literally living in – the moment <laughs> each and every single day. That's good, a good lesson people to hear is enjoy the moment. Cause I know like one year, two years, junior year, senior year, they can all go by so fast. And if, you, if you're just thinking about going pro, you may miss four years of really some great moments. Exactly. Exactly, man. I think that's, I think that's, especially now it's different with college basketball and it's different because kids, they can, they can come overseas, you know, LeVar is talking about having this new league that he's creating. So there's so many different other options for these kids to do. And their minds mentally, they see the lifestyle, I guess you can say, of some of these people that live overseas or they play professionally, and they kind of want to bypass the grind, man. But that's the thing. Like, there is no hustle to get outside of it. You, you can't hustle the game, like a basketball at least. I'm sorry. It's just it's truly is a grind from preseason to postseason. Like, it's just you have to focus everything into it because it it, it – it, ask of you of so much of your life you have to sacrifice so much of it so for me for you to look past it for you to see past it you're giving up on something man you're not you're not truly having the full experience that this game can bring to you or what they bring the joy it brings to you honestly I find joy in it 
So for me, fall in love with the process, fall in love with just every the everyday things, the good and the bad parts of this game and any other game, that's truly embracing the process. And I think you'll be rewarded for that. You know, I think a lot of times people play the game because they want to be a certain place. They want to be or have a certain lifestyle. They don't actually technically want the game or be a part of the game. I mean, it's tough. You know how it is. Even college, college sports is tough. I mean, it's just a tough grind for us. But the ones who focus in on that grind, quote unquote, the gym rats or, you know, whoever they are, when they focus in on that grind, they get rewarded from the grind. So love it, man. Put me up to college. How was, was so you were much enjoy enjoying the moment? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Where'd you end up going to school? Murray State, Murray, Kentucky. Okay, cool, cool. And you went there all four years. Five, actually. I registered my first my freshman year. Um, which was oddly enough, I mean, coming off of a state championship, I felt like, you know, once I received the scholarship, I felt like, you know, I had the juice, you know, you kind of, you, I didn't have the big head, but I was, I was, I was confident, you know, but then collegiate basketball is a different, different animal. I mean, we had different size athletes there. We had big dudes. We had mature guys who've been playing the game a lot longer. Um, and I was, I was skinny, man. I'm super slim. I was 177 soaking wet. I mean, skinny, skinny. Um, but uh, registered in my freshman year, um, had a lot of seniors, so I, I actually got to sit down again <laughs> um, and, and just and, and take in the collegiate level um, and learn about that game and kind of learn from the guys who were there before me. Thankfully, I had a, another great group of guys, a great coach. I had Mick Cronin, who's in Cincinnati now. Um, a lot of senior leadership, um, and they just had a winning tradition. They made it to the tournament that year, um, had North Carolina first round, and we lost by four. Um, but it, it was another opportunity just to, to learn, honestly, just to learn the game, to learn how to work, to kind of help t- mold my work ethic to a collegiate style, I guess you can say. Um, and then from there, my coach left. Uh, Mick Cronin, he left, and we got a new coach. So my my actual, really, my freshman year was a brand-new coach. Um, it was like three of us left on the team, so it was kind of a rebuilding year, um, the actual year that I was able to play. And from there, it was just about learning, man. It was it was a, it was a, it was it was a struggle man ups and downs ups and downs for the next i'll say my freshman year was okay sophomore year i did pretty good junior year was up and down once again my senior year man we we made it to the tournament uh made it to the second round of the tournament got put out by butler um off of a off of like no nah, it wasn't off of a turnover actually but um one conference we went like 31 and 5 had a great year that senior year so um, another one of those learning moments from the beginning and then helped me at the end. So throughout your journey to this point, how important was being patient, you know, then knowing that your time was coming, how important was that for you? Man, that's the most important thing, patience in this game. I mean, the game itself gets faster. It gets faster while you're playing, and then the older you get, it gets slower, and you, you start to understand patience of the game. But you don't, you don't get that to the very end until you, to you're a quote-unquote a veteran, I guess you can say, in the sport. Um, but the patience is everything, man. Um, a lot of kids get impatient. A lot of kids can't trust – they don't trust the weight. You have to trust the weight. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things to where you don't know what's going to happen, but that's when you work. That's when you kind of fall back on your work ethic. That's when you fall back on your the daily grind, where you know that you're going in the gym. You're getting. You're doing the things you're supposed to do to be prepared for when your time is coming. And then whenever your time does come, it's easy for you. It's an easy transition. It's an easy time for you to come in the game and do what you have to do. But the wait is the hardest part because you feel like you're getting nothing from it. You know, you you feel like you're 
you're not appreciated you're or or you know the this team is not for you. I've, I've met a lot of kids over this, over, shoot, over my career, man, that just that end up leaving schools because of just that. They don't trust the wait or they don't have time to wait. They're impatient. They want it now. It's kind of that now mentality. They want to be the star now. I want to play now. And granted, some situations are different, but patience is, is, is the key to everything, man. Time is the key to everything. It's a time for everything. Um, and you just have to wait yours, honestly. If someone listening right now, what will be like your maybe like your your five tips or how many tips you ever have to kind of say on how to develop patience? Kind of know it's really a, a struggle out there. Yeah, golly, that's um, one would be just practice it daily. Practice it daily, um, and it comes with small things. I mean, I know we focus on the sports aspect of it, but you can you have to practice patience in your everyday life. Like you can't be two different people. So even in life in general. You have to practice patience. So, you know, if, if whether it be on the road driving somewhere, whether it be, you know, you're sitting in a lobby waiting on something, you know, find a way to practice it. You know, it, for me now more so than every than I have before in my life, like I actually picked up meditating and that's kind of helped me to under kind of silence some things, the thoughts and the, you know, kind of helped me slow down a little bit to, to appreciate the, 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 the weight, I guess you can say. Um, I mean, Golly. Um, or I guess, doing, like, or maybe like what, what helped you develop patience? You know, the biggest thing is just my faith, honestly, man, getting closer to my faith and understanding that it is, it's about time. Everything is time. Not everything is time, but it's, everything has a time and a frame and it's, it's, it's in God's speed. That's just the one thing we don't have as people. We can't create it. <laughs> we can manage time, but we can't create it. Only he can, you know, it's on his speed. So for me, the closer or the deeper I got in my faith, the easier it was for me to kind of understand that it's about timing. Um, and then I kind of forgot about it, honestly. Then I started to just focus on the actual work of it, to be prepared for when my time did come. You know, it's one thing for you to, to, to be waiting and waiting and waiting, and then it's another thing for you to not be prepared during the wait. So, you know, getting closer to my faith and then just focusing on the grind, falling in love with the game, you know, going to the gym, being in the gym, you know, whether it be or just doing something as far as just focusing – towards my craft whatever it may be whether it be like I say meditating or yoga or you know hanging with your teammates you know anything to keep your mind in that environment of the game and still growing at the same time um but for me it was definitely my it was my faith awesome awesome that's great senior year you made the tournament you got you got knocked out by Butler so were you always one to go pro was that always like in the back of your mind somewhere or was it kind of like something that's going to happen again yeah just something that happened again <laughs> um i got to i put everything i put everything in that moment man um it kind of it was kind of like a, a like i kind of replayed a high school again in my junior year we had a great opportunity senior year we had a, a, a really really good team and i was actually my first time being able to be a, become a leader you know I had, I had i had learned so many skills i guess you can say along those through those years that the team that we had was a great team. I mean, honestly, it was a great group of guys. Um, so we focused everything to that, into that season, man. We focused everything into the moment. We lived, like, literally, I mean, every single day with these guys. It was, it was, we appreciated the grind. You know, everybody did. It was one of those group of guys where everybody worked and we kept, kept each other encouraged, the coaching staff included, man. It was just, it was a different type of experience. But um, 
I honestly didn't see myself going professional. Um, I didn't see myself making it as a pro. I told you, I grew up every, my, the stigma for me, you know, was that I was just always too small. So my, I guess you say the chip on my shoulder in college or the motivation in college was like, you know, I want to prove to guys that I'm not, you know, I can be skinny, but I'm still effective. Um, so that chip on my shoulder, I kind of focused everything on proving to people that I didn't. So that, that what came next was just kind of one of those things to where, like, like high school, focusing on the grind or focusing on the actual work and get rewarded at the end. Um, honestly, I, my focus was on becoming a teacher, getting my degree. I love kids, man. I love, I feel like kids are the future, you know, and I love just teaching people in general. So for me, it was, it was focusing on becoming a great, the best teacher that I could be um, at six, nine. So, um, but um, thankfully I was blessed again. The good Lord blessed me with the opportunity to play professional basketball. The coach that I had, Billy Kennedy, who's at, he's at Texas A&M right now. He, he, um, had a couple of agents, people that he actually knew, and a co- one guy was actually from Alabama. So had a couple of meetings with him, and and he's the, kind of the one who kind of put in my head. Even the assistant coaches were the ones who put in my head. It's like, hey, you have an opportunity to play at least play basketball. You know, I didn't have any NBA looks coming out of coming out of college, but they they did give me that kind of that reassurance that I actually had an opportunity to play professional basketball somewhere. And from there, man, we signed. And first year, I was I flew to Warsaw, Poland, and that's when it began. How how was that going from, you know, the south from like Alabama, you know, to Poland where it's cold in the street? Man, it was eye opening, um, to say the least, man. First time outside the country, first time in that much snow. Um, and just the country itself, man, it's a beautiful place. Thankfully I was in Warsaw. Thankfully I was in Warsaw because anything outside of Warsaw would have been tough for me. Warsaw had a few American people that spoke a little bit of English and you know, so it's kind of it's kind of a good little middle ground, um, but it still was tough, man. It was just coming from the South and, 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 and kind of going off, I guess you say the, the American mentality. Um, it's, it's just different. It's a different way of living. It's a different lifestyle. As a professional, I mean, we, uh, as a player, I should say, we sacrifice so many different things, mainly being our body. You know, we sacrifice our body, sacrifice our time. But once I became a pro and, and actually went overseas, man, I was sacrificing, you know, moments with families, you know, I was, what, you think 22, 21, 22. Um, so there's, there are no Thanksgiving. There are no coming home for Thanksgiving. There are no, you know, coming home for Christmas or no, you miss a lot of life, I guess you can say. Um, but at the same time, that's a part of your grind. It's a part of the sacrifice, but it was, it was, it was tough, man. That first year was really tough for me. Thankfully I had, I had a couple guys, um, two other Americans with me and my teammates, they were, they, they made it comfortable for us, man. It was just, I've been blessed with some great situations, and that was really one of them to be my first year. I had, I had another guy who was a rookie, so we kind of grew up, I guess you can say, went through the same grind that first year, and we helped each other out. So, so, so back to, like, your story so far, that first year, every team kind of been, like, that kind of learning year. Was this for yeah. that a year at Poland with, like, that learning you kind of on the bench a little bit, kind of learning the game again, or? Definitely, definitely. That, I, I tell everybody, your first year as a professional, that truly is – that's your, that's the year you learn to adapt. You know, you have to adapt to a different culture, different language, you know, small things, different foods, you know, you have to, things that you don't really think about, you have to adapt to. I mean, you, you know, as we get so comfortable in, in the States that we have so many different things that a lot of people don't really realize a lot of these countries don't have, a lot of these people don't live, their lifestyle is so different. So you have to adapt to everything. The game is different over here. Um, and each league has a different, I guess you can say the game is different in each league. So, it truly was a year of just adapting to just a different environment, a different situation. Um, 
yeah, that, that, that first year is truly, that's it. Just adapting, man, getting used to being here because <laughs> it's different. So how's the food in Poland? Man, like post-war, it's like a lot of, <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't want to say post-war food, man, but it's like a lot of, a lot of soups, like heavy meats, coleslaw, potatoes, man, like this tough, tough, tough bread, but the bread gets soft only when you stick it in the soup, man, like, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't bad, it really wasn't bad, it was just sometimes, sometimes it was just like, it, it was too much, you know, a lot of pork sausages, like, Oh, it was different. A lot it of coleslaw. Uh, the one thing that kind of threw me for a loop was the coleslaw. I did not expect that in Poland at all. But the soups were pretty good. Actually, I can't lie. The soups were really good. Gotta try it. Gotta try it out one day. If you if you can get a soup, it's called um, a zurich. Zurich. It's like I don't know if it's like a like a like a sausage stew, but it's the best thing going. Man, it has this boiled egg in the middle. So Cut up sausages is fire, super fire. <laughs> uh, if it's fire, it gotta be good then. All right. Yeah, it's fire, man. It's fire. It's, fire. it's definitely fire. It's, for, <laughs> on an American level, like we we would rock with it in America. That's all. I can say. <laughs> all right, for sure. Definitely. You're over. You're overseas. How long have you been overseas for? Uh, this is my eighth season. Eighth season. So how how has that journey been through the ups and downs, like the whole thing out the process? How has that been? amazing bro honestly um at first I didn't understand it at first I didn't you know like I say the dream of basketball man you you want to get to the highest level you know you want to get to the highest level it, it actually I take that back it kind of depends on who you are some people play it for money some people play it to, to for the highest level of competition you know some people play it just for the joy of the game you know so it's kind of different it kind of it, it's based on who you are and how you want it to be so my whole process of becoming this player who I am today I went through it all of those, man. I went through all those steps and those processes. And I felt, I felt like I found the most joy when I just played the game for the game, you know, but the whole journey itself has been amazing, man. The highs and the lows, man, I've, I've played, whew, I mean, this game has taken me to how many countries, four or five countries. You know, I've been on eight, nine teams on different, and granted the situations have been different. Granted, you go through a lot of things that you've never thought in your life that you would see, the business aspect of basketball, especially over here, where it's kind of there, there is no federation for the players. You know, there is no kind of voice like the NBA has to, to play, you know, the, the players association. You know, we don't have that over here. So it's it kind of one of those things to where some places you go, anything goes. Some places have sketchy business. So you don't really know until you get there. So it's literally you have to kind of you have to be in the moment. You have to kind of be present there at all times. Um But the journey has been amazing, man. Literally the ups and downs, everything has truly been amazing to get to this point i mean honestly it's it's one of those things to where you make it what you want it to be you know a lot of guys i i i like i told you when i first started this season i was in germany you know the second half of the season i'm now i'm back in italy like it's kind of what you make it i mean i've come across guys who who want to be you know who's still chasing this dream to go to the nba so they're they're chasing the dream you know they're trying to they're figuring out the way to get there they're doing all these different things i've met guys who just who who are chasing to be the top players in Europe and who actually made it there? Like so, it's kind of it's kind of what you want to want it to be. But for me, it's 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 been amazing, man. It's been a, it's been a joy ride, tell you the truth, man. Honestly, definitely. So you said there's guys that are chasing the dream of winning the NBA, some guy chasing mm -hmm. the dream of being you know best player in Europe. But what are you kind of chasing? What kind of helping you like want to be better each day? Just the joy of it, man. The joy of the game. Like I like I. This is my eighth season, man. I. I was blessed enough. I made the NBA Summer League after my second year. 
I didn't like it. I, I truly didn't like, I didn't like the, the, I don't want to say the NBA itself, I, the lifestyle that comes with it. For me, it's just too much. You know, I, when I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kind of a backwood guy, I'm a country dude, you know, I'm a small school. So for me, that first touch of that NBA lifestyle, especially just even in just the summer league, I didn't like it, man. It was different. You know, the situation is more political than it is actually playing basketball. And for me, coming from a guy who, who, who didn't get to play basketball, who, like, I fell in love with the game, not because of what the game gives me, but I truly love the game. I just enjoy playing the game itself. And no matter if I lose, whatever, I just like the game. It's fun. It truly is a fun game for me. So for me, seeing the NBA from the inside out, it was a different, it was a different beast for me, man. I, I, had, I had every little kid's, you know, every little boy's dream to make it to the NBA from the outside in it's sweet, man. You see the, you see the popularity, you see the game itself, you see, you know, the sweet jerseys, you get to wear the shoes you want to wear, you know, you get the pop, everything, you get the money, you get everything. But from the inside out, man, it's different. It's totally different. Um, and I, I just knew it wasn't for me. So I left that dream. I gave that dream up at 20, 23, 24. Um, and then it, it became a dream of just making, making as much money as you can with the game of basketball, you know, making as much money as you can. And because it, you get to that point to where you understand that the game, you get compensated for the game. You can get compensated well, depending on the level that you play at and where you play. Um, but through that mindset, man, I found out that it never brought me joy. Like it truly never brought me joy. Like for me, I'm one of those guys to where I, I through my faith, man, I, if you chase that check, man, that check will sit there and disguise a lot of things that you would have never seen or thought about, or, you know, push things up under the table that you, you just don't recognize it. So, I was one of those guys to where I had some bad situations, bad things happen to me because I was focusing on the money instead of focusing on the game. You know, for me, the most joy I've, came, I've, I've received from my career and just from playing the game overseas has just been when I was literally focusing on the basketball aspect, going to places where, you know, or just going to cities or countries that I wanted to see, you know, things that I wanted to do to, uh, to, to, bring, to bring forth my happiness, I guess you can say. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of really been it. Love of the game. Sure. The love, man. It's, I mean, that's it's a game. Honestly, it's a game. We've turned it into a business, but it's actually a game. It's We're supposed to bring you joy and happiness, man. So that's what I play it for now, man. It's just, there's nothing else needed. You know, like I say, high school, college, if I focus on the basketball, everything else will come to you if you're working, you know. If someone's listening right now and say they're like, you know, in the, the NBA D League or something like that, summer league type stuff, what would be your advice on it? They kind of want to like kind of maybe like pursue the international league or kind of how they can kind of look into learning more about that? Uh, you know, it's, nowadays it's tough. Everyone needs agents and everyone, everyone needs an agent, I guess you can say nowadays. At least that's how, that's how it feels. Um, but firstly, just the research, um, you know, I tell guys, it's one of those things where you have to start somewhere over here. Like the, if you if you're not like in a if you're not in the D League, even if you are in D League, I have a lot of friends who are actually in the D League. I have friends who played overseas, played in the D League, and made it to the NBA. You know, I've have guys like I've I've seen. We I have a few of those stories just just from being around these guys. So the one thing I can tell them is, firstly, overseas you have to start somewhere. You know, your first situation is always. I don't want to say it's the worst situation, but it's always the one that's the most challenging because a you're adapting to off the floor and then you're adapting to stuff on the floor. It's a different type of style of basketball. You know, in college, you're with those guys every single day for four years, three, four years, however many you stay, you know, five years, four, three, one, whatever it may be. You're with those guys every single day. I mean, you, you basically live with those guys, you know, 
once you become a professional, it's just kind of you yourself and you have to work on building that camaraderie. So that's the whole different aspect of, of the game. So you have to start somewhere and you have to be able to adapt and know that their first year is going to be your, your year of adapting. You may not get paid the greatest in the, well, what you want or what you, you know, think you should be getting paid, but you have to focus on the basketball because if you focus on the basketball your first year, it gets sweeter after that. You know, that first year truly is the sacrifice. After that, everything kind of gets better. It gets better. It gets better. And then you can truly start to chase. But it's like when I was usually have to prove yourself, just kind of like how, you know, I don't know, college or high school, you had to prove yourself that first round, that first freshman year, prove that you can be thrown in the fire. And then you get – it gets better after that. So, but, yeah, so just just adapting. That would be the first one, adapting. And that just know that that first year is a sacrifice. Be prepared for anything. And they can do it. I mean, uh, the guys who make it in the D-League, who actually play in the D-League, they, they come overseas, you know, Every now and I say every now and then, this is the opportunity is still there for them. Uh, some guys choose to stay in the league just because they want they're still chasing that NBA dream. But I always tell guys there's there's another way to get there. Like don't don't think that you have to just stay there. A lot of guys, you know, they're they're they sacrifice. I guess you can say the opportunity to come over here across the pond because they want to stay in a place in a situation in the G League or the G League to where they they're getting more eyes. I guess you can say to be seen for the, for the next level, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Um, so I tell guys to always, there's another option, you know, there's, uh, there's always two sides to everything. So try the other option. If, if you've been playing in the D league for two, three years, you haven't had, you haven't gotten where you wanted to get to come overseas for one. You can always go back, come overseas and see how it is. Try it out. If at the end of the day, you're going to learn something. This, this is all the journey. It's all lessons to be learned. You don't lose. You always learn. So we're learning a lot over here. You're going to learn about yourself. I tell people all the time, like, coming over here, you, you go back home with a different person. I, I like to say a better person because this brings things out of you that you don't technically find at the crib. I'm, that's just how it is. Like, you don't, have, you don't have your mom to go home to to get a, you know, a nice warm meal. But you may have some nice families who support the team and who, who truly believe in you and they love you and they'll invite you over for meals. I mean, so it's just kind of one of those things to where you'll go back home a different person and a better person. Love it. And just being patient for sure. Definitely, man. Trust the weight. You got to trust the weight. Trust the weight. <laughs> I may close that on Instagram or whatever and I'll tag you on it. <laughs> trust, trust no the worries, weight. man. Trust That's where the faith comes in, man. You trust the weight. You, you're just going off of faith. You ain't going off of nothing else. If, you, if you're a believer, you know, a lot of people don't believe. Not I say a lot of people. People who choose to believe but don't believe. You know, for them, trust the weight. You know, for the ones who, who believe, that's when the faith kicks in, man. Just keep your head down, focus on the work. I mean, he'll take care of the rest. If you're working, he, he'll work for you. But if you ain't working, he ain't got nobody to work for. I mean, which, <laughs> there are no handouts, so. Definitely. So what's, so what's next for you as you continue to play? Like anything you can kind of working towards or kind of working on outside of basketball or anything? Uh, yeah, man, just uh, actually putting it, putting together a movement, um, just through this basketball, just through this journey of that, I've, that I've been on personally as a player and just as a man, man, as a present human being, man, I've seen, I've seen so many different things overseas that have, that have changed me. And, and, and it's, it sounds weird, but we live two different lives, you know, my life overseas is different than my life in the States. You know, I, we're literally overseas usually nine to 10 months. So we, we don't have that much time on the home front, but at the same time, our life in the United States still goes on. You know, we still have bills, we still have family members, we still have things that happen to us that we have to deal with from afar. Um, and things that happen to our family members and friends and things that happen to people around us from afar. 
Um, so for me, it's just one of those things where I want to be able to build something to help those people across the country because I've seen people struggle everywhere. Man, struggle, struggle really has no color. I mean, it's the clearest thing you can have, but you can see it and it's everywhere. So I've seen people struggle from, you know, from the, the right sitting in front of the Vatican. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Catholic, but at the same time, it's still a pivotal part in the Christian faith. So, I, you know, I've come across women and people rip clothes, shredded clothes, begging for anything in a different language. That first, my first time that I didn't understand. Them. And then I finally asked my teammate, like, what was she asking about? Like, what was she doing? And she is, I'll give you the story. Was this, it was this woman. She was, you know, and her clothes are ripped and ragged. Um, and she was on her knees, like begging, like, but it sounded like she was kind of crying and people are walking by this lady. And, and, and for me, I'm the way I grew up, man, I grew up in a household of a lot of, I have a lot of cousins and we help each other. It's just one of the things that you do. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of help. So <laughs> we helped any and everybody and it kind of was vice versa. So, this lady was, I mean, she looked bad. She looked really down bad, man. And I was, this is my first time seeing this. Like, you know, in the United States, like homelessness and homeless people, they, you don't really see them that bad. I mean, I guess you can say in Alabama we don't. So we, I've never seen someone who was like, she was like in pain and anguish. Like she was, I thought like she was dying. I didn't know what was going on. So she's screaming things in Italian and she's talking to these people and people are just walking by like they don't see this lady. Like right in front of this this mecca of faith, like, for me, you're supposed to help one another. I don't care who you are, what you are, what you're doing, help them out. So I asked my team, I said, man, what's going on? She's like, man, she's begging for something, anything. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, food, money, anything. I was like, so it's like, she she don't have nothing? He's like, no. Like, oh my God, man. So I got the lady like a, a, a panini, like a sandwich, man. It's something small, you know, it's nothing. It's just a little, little bit of something. And gave it to the lady and kind of walked off. And it, it kind of stuck with me for a long time. I'm like, man, it's like struggling on the home front. So I went back home. And I would see people struggling in the streets of the home, but it was it was a different type of struggle. They weren't so much as begging for anything and everything. They were asking for 20 bucks, five bucks, you know. They were asking for actual amounts of money. And I said, man, this is different. This is crazy for me. But at the same time, I had a heart for him. I wanted to find a way to give back to him. So, like, for me, going back to thinking about this lady, man, I started just giving them food, giving people food, you know, giving people Gatorades on the side of the road. Because so, I'm, I'm only home in the summertime. So I kind of had this initiative where, the summertime, I always kind of get friends together. And we kind of go out and do things to help. Um, it's kind of been that way every single summer, kind of building this movement up to where we're able to give back because people struggle everywhere. So usually when I'm overseas, we'll do different things to where we can help. You know, last year I was in Rome. I actually just got to this new team. But last year in Rome, we were feeding homeless. I actually partnered with this church group there in Rome, like a Baptist church there in Rome. We were able to make meals to give out to people at night. Um just different small things honestly small acts of kindness to help people man that's kind of the biggest thing that i've been doing kind of building up this movement of people to do those things nationwide kind of you know internationally i have people in Galilee and france some people in germany giving back and just getting people and getting them active and challenging them to actually help each other you know, a lot of people want to help or a lot of people have a heart for people to help but they truly just don't do it they have nobody to actually call them out on it to do it like you know let me challenge you to do this and i'm not challenging you to, to give 100 bucks i'm just challenging you, hey just give them a meal you know, give them, give them some crackers and, and, and some water. Just do something, something small, but it can help a lot, man. So um, just building this movement, man, the leverage, just, that's the biggest thing for me right now with basketball. And then just honestly enjoying it, man, trying to figure out each lesson that, that I'm learning uh, during each season and just enjoying it, man, because I know it's temporary. A lot of these things people understand, like, I guess most athletes think that they're going to be playing their sport for their whole lives and they don't really realize it's really a small window of your life, you know. People always scream that ball is life. Ball is not life. Ball is a part of life, <laughs> but it's not life. It, it, it truly is a small window of your life, and you have to be prepared for what's next, but also appreciate it while you have it. So um, that's, that's really it, man. 
Cause yeah. That's like you're actually like using your platform to make a global impact, you know, outside of just you know, where you're playing or where you, where you've been, but you're spreading like some good stuff and that, that's dope for sure. Much press to that. Yeah. yeah, man. Thank you. That's just a big challenging each other, man. That's, that's the biggest thing. I know that we, we as athletes, especially overseas, man, it's a big network of guys. I mean, everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. So for me, if I can at least get one guy, if I can get one athlete, if I can just get one person, anybody in this world, if I can, if I can motivate one person to do something, it could be a chain reaction. And somebody else, you know, it's kind of like tag, basically. I tag you, I do this, I tag you, you do it. You know, if you don't do it, cool. If not, it's great. But if you do do it, thank you. You know, tag somebody else. And I, for me, I want them to feel that feeling, man. A lot of people don't know what it feels like to help or be helped. You know, we go through life a lot and we don't even realize sometimes that people are actually helping us or just the small things. So for me, I want them to feel what it feels like to help someone out, man. Like, <laughs> honestly, it's a different feeling, man. It, it truly is a different feeling. And, and it's not one of those things to where, I don't want people to come out and be, you know, it's going to light you on fire. You feel like you need to go to the jungles of Africa and save monkeys. No, or whatever it may be saying, you know. But no, at the same time, a small act, man, something small. Something small can go a long way, man. I think, I, I don't know who said it, but like, it was like a lot of nothing. A little of something is better than a lot of nothing, you know. Small things, small, truly small acts of kindness, man, will help. And then that's it, man. And from there to get bigger. But it's, it's a chain reaction. It starts with somebody. So for me, just challenging people to do those things fire is there anything that, that that i can do on my end that we can do over here to kind of help you in any way like spread your message or anything just let me know for sure same way man i, I honestly not i'm about action you know it's one of those things where i just i'm I, summer usually for me it's the summertime you know being while i'm playing it's hard for me to actually kind of put things and have things called actions and have these things done while I'm over here, it's more so me learning and actually doing them myself. I take this time while I'm over here to actually kind of to to do the things that I I call of people to do in the summertime. Um, in the summertime, it's for me. I you know I have I have the movement. It's called the leveraged. Um, it's it's one of those things to where it's, it's right now. It's kind of a motivational thing. Every day we have you know tips and things about just life. You know, growing spiritually. You know, physically and mentally. I think that most people, especially athletes, we focus on the physical aspect of your life. And you want to get as big, as fast as you can be. You want to be in shape. You want to, but for me, the most important part is the mental aspect and the spiritual part. Those two are by far bigger than the physical part. You know, sometimes when that physical part of you, when it goes down, like you told me, you went through an injury. When you go through those injuries, man, you're so messed up physically because you don't, your physical, you've been, this is what you've been training for. You've been training the physical side of your, your spectrum, I guess, or your life or your, your idea or your, sorry, your mind and not the actual mental side of it or the spiritual side to help you cope with the things that come along with, you know, the everyday process. So for me, it's one of those things to where I'm, um, you know, I, I create this leverage thing to help people, you know, to help them every single day, spiritually, physically, mentally challenge them actually to change and to grow as people, you know, not just as athletes. So I want you to change as a person because before you're an athlete, before you're, before you are a businessman, before you are a teacher, whoever, it is, whatever it is, whatever your profession is, you're a person first. And we have to get that to grow every single day. Um, but yeah, yeah. But um, that's it, man. It's summertime. If, if if we have an event, man, I would love for you to take a part in it, man. Just it's something simple, man. Definitely, if you, definitely. It's just, you know, simply just 
stopping and helping someone, you know, not so much as, you know, you don't have to give them a thousand, a thousand bucks, but just a Gatorade and some chips or something, man, you know, just doing something small for you so that they feel like somebody cares. Um, Definitely. Cause man, like I'm in Phoenix in the summertime, dude, it's getting like 120. So I can get up some, some Gatorade for sure. <laughs> man, you know, but that's the, that's the, honestly, that's where I started, man. Like, cause in the summer I live in Nashville, man, and Nashville's super, super, super hot, man. And you know, for me, I, I call it the leverage because like, I want people to use what they have. You know, for me, we have a lot of things. And like I told you, like being overseas, we take a lot of things for granted, man. Like, you know, when we're overseas, man, like, you know, we can go to Walmart right now. You can go buy a 24 pack of water, right? You know, the big little bottle of water, 24 packs, 24 or 24 bottles. You know, those 24 bottles, depending on how thirsty you are, <laughs> you know, you know, it's going to take you a little while to drink all 24 of those bottles unless you have people come through or whatever it may be. But for me, I, I tell people like leverage that take, two, three, four of those bottles, man, hand them out. Hand them out to anybody. You see somebody on the side of the road, man, because you don't know how long they've been out there, man. It changed my life. When I was in Nashville, I went out, and I just literally went to Walmart and bought a bunch of, like, 99-cent Gatorades. Man, I think it was all of, like, 10 bucks. 10 bucks. I'm sacrificing 10 bucks, and I bought some snacks and things like that just to add to it. I, I find this one lady, man, and it's, like, 3 o'clock in the evening, man. So I, I'm walking the streets, like, highways. Me, I'm 6'9", man. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm weird, but I wear tie-dye t-shirts and, you know, I'm the athletic with the, with the, with the slides and the socks on in the summertime, like this big, tall, lanky guy walking these highways, handing out Gatorades and Powerades. Well, I found this one lady, man, she had a sign on the side of the highway. And, um, so I handed her a bag, like, I think a Gatorade and a Pedialyte and like some, I got like some granola bars or something, just something to keep her energy up to the day. Man, like even before she could even say thank you, like she just grabbed the Gatorade and started chugging. And I'm just like, wow, you know, what in the world? What's she's de dehydrated? Like, what's going on? She was like, thank you, thank you so much. You know, she's, she's you know, thanking me. She's like, man, I haven't had anything to drink since seven this morning. I had a cup of coffee. I said, what? Dang. Yeah, you had a cup of coffee at seven this morning. So you've been out here trying to get, you know, anything. She had a science and she had two kids and she just needed help. You know, for me, I think sometimes we, we get so caught up in the, in that first initial, like, okay, well they, they want this for me, or maybe they're lying or they can go get a job or they can do whatever. See past that, man. I think the faith tells us to help them. We don't have to judge them. We just need to help them. What they do, what you give them is what they do, what you give them, but it's your job just to give it to them. If you have, it, you know, sacrifice and just give if, if you can to give. So she, she told me that, man, I was like, it kind of threw me off. I was like, dang, you know, I've been at home. I've been contemplating how I was going to help people. I, you know, I've, I've drank four or five cups of water. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. But she hasn't done that since 7 a.m. And I was the only person who stopped all day. So many cars have been driven by this lady all day and seen her in the struggle, but didn't stop for that one moment. Still time is real time. You sit still, you see some real stuff in this world. So for me to stop and have that one moment with her, like where I'm not moving around, I'm focusing on helping this lady out. It changed me, dog. It, it truly changed me. So for me, I was like, I have to help people now. So I, I, I truly, I take time in the summer. It's not every single day. It's not every single week. But I, I dedicate at least a day, you know, at least a day out of a month. Man. Like, get, just let me let me do something for someone else. You know, it's all about me every single day. I take time for myself every single day. It's not about me today. It's about them. It's about someone. It's about helping someone else out. And I know a lot of people are usually afraid to go to shelters or they don't know what to do. So I tell them, do it yourself. You know, take something in the house, make a, make, make five, six peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and give them two bottles of water and just go hand them out, man. Anything, any small things help, man. <laughs> a little bit of something is, is better than a lot of nothing. You know what I mean? Like literally. Much respect to you for doing that. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. It's bigger than that. It's just a part of our life, man. Yeah. Basketball is a tool. Any sport is a tool to get you to where you want to be in life. It's, it's, 
it's it's just molding you, man, for what's next. I told you, it's a small part of your life. And if you, it's sometimes we don't really realize that, that it's changing us for the better. You know, it's molding us for what's next. Because once you stop playing the game, it's kind of like, okay, some guys don't know what to do. Some guys don't know what happens, what it's molding you, man. It's just shaping you and it allows you to be able to kind of figure out what you want, well, what the next step is going to be for you. Definitely. So I want to hold. I don't want to hold you up too long. Kind of, it's like it's like ten o'clock now in, in Italy. But but I would kind of work toward wrapping up. Where where people kind of find you on social media or anything like that? Any websites or anything? Uh yeah. Um, just social media tag is Tony Tony B Easley Jr. Um, the movement is the leveraged. Um, we have a site, the leveraged site. We have our leveraged actual Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We have it all on every social media account. Um. Yeah, that's it. Honestly, Facebook the same. Tony Easley, man. It's just that's it. I'm here every day. I'm I'm a, I'm a everyday guy, just trying to help, trying to better people, man. It can always be better. For sure, appreciate it, man. Like, appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and just telling more about your story and what you're working on. Cause I think it's something that people need to hear and kind of see that there's more to it than just you know just shooting a shot or you know getting a rebound. Like you're saying, you know, you kind of trust the weight, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely, man. I appreciate you, honestly. I, I do. And what you're doing, man, is we need this. A lot of athletes need this. I think not even a lot, all athletes need this because they need to hear and see it from the ones who, have, who are going through it, who have been through it. You know, it's kind of one of those things to where we, we can help each other. I'm, I'm, I'm an I'm a, I'm a iron sharpens iron type guy, man. We're heavy metal. I know a lot of heavy metal guys who are, who are athletes who are, who are willing to help and kind of have a voice, I guess you can say, to help others out, man. So, 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 shout out to you for that, man. I, I think that this is awesome. This is dope. The platform you've built is dope, man. And just giving a voice to every athlete, man, all across the board, everywhere. That's 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 dope. Super dope. Appreciate it, man. Like let let change the game. Let change the world. Most okay. definitely, man. Most definitely. Well, faith and trust the process for sure. Hey, Amen. So you have a good night, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch soon. Definitely, man. Definitely, you too. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Nine Point Product of the Dream Podcast. I was your host, Jacoby Gillum. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review, love to hear your thoughts. You can check out more about what we're doing with Nine Point at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, talk to you soon.